Welcome to Coffee Up, a podcast by Market Lane Coffee. My name is Tyson. Today, we're talking about Kenya, a country known for producing some of the world's most vibrant, complex, highly prized and highly priced coffees. In this episode, Christian catches up with Aylan Cullen from Melbourne Coffee Merchants. Aylan has been working in specialty coffee for 10 years now, both here in Australia and in the United States. Today, Aylan heads up coffee buying in Kenya and also manages Melbourne Coffee Merchants' relationships with coffee roasters throughout Australia. Aylan talks about her experiences visiting Kenya, how we buy coffee, and some of the challenges facing Kenya's coffee industry as housing developments on the outskirts of Nairobi are pushing coffee production further to the west. Without further ado, here are Christian and Aylan. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about when you first travelled to Kenya to purchase coffee? Yeah, I first went there in 2019 with Toshi and we were really there to start or establish a new relationship with the trader Kenyakoff, who we work with there. I've been back once since. I snuck in a trip in 2020 in March and got back right ahead of lockdown. Okay, so. <laughs> in the nick of time. Yeah. Um, so what were your first impressions of Kenya like? It's a pretty amazing place to visit. It's uh, different from anywhere else that I've been. Nairobi's a very big, sophisticated, bustling city, and that's where you stay when you travel for coffee in Kenya because most of the farms that we visit are within two to three hours' drive from Nairobi. Coffee's very close to the city. It's a lovely place to stay, actually. It's really um, amazing landscapes, amazing people, good food. So it's a, it's a great place to visit if you get a chance. What is Kenya's cultural and historical relationship with coffee like? Well, coffee was initially planted in Kenya in the late 1800s by European colonialists, um, and it was planted as a cash crop. It was The system was kind of designed to bring wealth into the colonising countries. It became a really important export quite quickly. By the 1920s, it was Kenya's biggest export. Um, it has since been overtaken by tea, which is another huge agricultural crop in Kenya. But it still is a big crop for Kenya. It makes up about 10% of their export. So for the first half of the 20th century, coffee was only really grown on large British-owned estates. But um, in 1954, there was an uprising by the Mau Mau people, and that eventually led to Kenya's independence in the 1960s. Um, and after that, there were a couple of changes to the land acts and Africans were allowed to own land and plant coffee. So a lot of the farms that we visit were established in the 1950s and 60s. Culturally, Kenya doesn't really have much of a relationship with coffee. They're more historically tea drinkers mm. because they were, they're an ex-British colony. So that's kind yes. of a leftover of that. But um, that's kind of changing slowly with younger people. That being said, um, is there much of an internal market for coffee in Kenya or is it mostly exported then? It's mostly exported. There's a little bit of a domestic consumption and some of the big traders that work there are also roasters and they make, there's quite a few um, processing plants in Kenya to make instant coffee as well. Mm -hmm. So that's quite common, but for the most part, the coffee um, and definitely the higher grades of coffee are exported. Um, so coming back to what you mentioned about land, uh, is there such a thing as a sort of typical Kenyan coffee farm? 
Yeah, most of the estates in Kenya or the farms um, are quite small, some of them just a quarter of a hectare, and they're farmed by the family. They might have some livestock, um, some veggie crops on the land as well, but coffee is the cash crop. But there are lots of different sizes of estates in Kenya, so you do find medium-sized estates and then really big estates as well. Usually smallholder farmers will be members of a cooperative and they'll deliver fresh terry to a centralized washing station or in Kenya they're called a factory mm-hmm. and the coffee is uh, processed and dried there and then sold via the cooperative. Some of the larger estate owners have factories on site. Um, so another question that I know is sort of hard to generalize but for somebody who's never tasted Kenyan coffee before what would you or how would you describe it to them in terms of the cup profile and the flavors? Kenyan coffee is a very distinct. Um, they're kind of all about the type of acidity that you get in the cup. They tend to be really fruit driven, so like a lot of beautiful blackcurrant character, um, berries, cherry, green apple, kind of tart and juicy. They are super delicious, and a lot of coffee drinkers just absolutely adore them because they're so distinct and so tasty. Is a lot of that down to the sort of terroir that's unique to Kenya, or is it the varieties that they plant, or a bit of both? A little bit of both. So um, most coffee in Kenya is grown in the central highlands, which are pretty close to Nairobi, kind of in the foothills of Mount Kenya, which is an extinct volcano. So the land there is, um, the the earth is very nutrient rich and it's also uh, quite close to the equator. So you can grow coffee very high. So the elevations that coffee is growing sometimes over 2000 meters above sea level. And that contributes to the cup profile as well. Kenya also has a very um, a couple of very distinct varieties that are only really grown in Kenya that also kind of contribute to the kind of character that you get in the cup. So what regions in Kenya does Market Lane and Melbourne coffee merchants uh, purchase from mostly? Um, as of now, all of the coffee that we've purchased has been from central Kenya. Um, so those highlands that mm-hmm. kind of surround or in the foothills of Mount Kenya. That region encompasses counties like Moranga, Nyeri, Kirinyaga, Kiambu, Embu, which are quite well-known yeah. regions for producing really high-quality coffee. That's historically where coffee has been planted and grown. There are some newer farms in the west of Kenya, which probably isn't quite as like lush and fertile as the central highlands, but the farmers there, the farms are newer The farmers are young and proactive and curious. And so there's a lot of really great potential for coffees in that area. So we haven't bought coffees from there yet, but it's something that we're very interested in doing moving forward. Um, Just out of curiosity, what's the the journey like to the sort of central provinces to get there? Um, Long. (laughs) (laughs) From, From Nairobi, it's about an hour and a half drive south to Thika, which is where the mill, um, that we work with is. So we would usually start our day with that drive to Thika and then from Thika you head out to the counties. Yeah, it's about two to three hours drive to different regions. They're very close together. So you can pass through like Kiambu County and be in a neighboring county very quickly. Like um, they're quite small, but yeah, it's for the most part you're on paved roads, which is pretty comfortable. But once you start getting a bit more remote into the actual coffee farms, it's a little bit more bumpy. <laughs> um, well, you you hinted towards uh, some varieties that you said were kind of unique to Kenya. Um, what are the varieties or processing methods that you think make Kenyan coffee quite distinct? 
Um, the two main varieties that you find in Kenya are SL28 and SL34, and they're both varieties that were developed by Scott Laboratories in the early 1900s, and they developed those varieties specifically for the Kenyan terroir and then promoted them widely. So those are grown everywhere. They are really focused on cup quality. So they're both descendants of, or they both were developed from mocha and bourbon varieties, which are known for really high cup quality. But they're not particularly resilient to a lot of coffee diseases and or drought. So um, since that time, um, a couple of newer varieties have been developed in Kenya, most notably Ruru 11 and Batian, which are designed for cut profile, of course, but also designed to be more resistant to diseases like leaf rust or the coffee berry beetle um, and also to drought, which is something that can affect the Kenyan coffee farmer. Um, They also can be grown a lot more closely together. So SL28 and SL34 need a lot of space. So just in terms of your land use, it's more efficient to plant those newer varieties. I'd say about 5 to 10% of the coffees that we're buying is made up of those newer varieties. For the most part, it's the SLs. So in terms of uh, purchasing coffee from Kenya, uh, who, who do we work with and what's the sort of process of getting lots of coffee um, so we work with a trader called Kenyakoff and traders in Kenya, they buy and sell coffee either directly or um, through the auction system. So Kenyakoff has coffees within their own supply chain, which they buy from the farmer directly and they sell to us directly, but they also trade coffees at the auction as well. We make it a priority to always buy coffees from Kenyakoff that they've traded directly with the farmer. Um, Not only does that give us a bit more transparency and traceability on where the coffees are coming from and how they've been paid for, but it also gives us more opportunity to create longer term, more committed and direct relationships with the farmers. So that's something that is that we try to do in all of the origins that we work in. Kenyakov also has a strong focus on working with smallholder independent farmers who work outside of the cooperative system. Um, so these are farmers who have an estate that's large enough to include a factory or a washing station on site, and they process and sell their coffee separately. It's quite unusual. It's a lot more cost efficient to sell coffee as a larger day lot from a number of different farmers. But it does mean that the farmer, that investment that they make allows them great quality control over their crop and also more control at the price negotiation stage so they can make a little bit more money off of their coffee. So we prioritize buying those coffees and it's been really exciting to kind of establish and develop some more direct relationships with individual farmers Um, and I think there's a few that we've bought their coffee three years running now so there's a good opportunity there for those longer term relationships which we love. Um, Do you think that sort of intimate networking um, sets Kenya apart from other coffee growing regions at all? Yeah, it is quite unique in Kenya. Um, There's a couple of different parties involved in the coffee trade than you would find in other um, coffee producing regions. And one thing that's quite unique about Kenya is the auction system. Mm -hmm. So the auction system is run by the Nairobi Coffee Exchange, and it basically provides a marketplace for all Kenyan coffee producers to sell their coffee. And I think over 90% or about 90% of coffee is 
traded through the auction. Before the auction, traders have the opportunity to taste the coffees. They come to the auction knowing exactly what they want to bid on. So coffees that have really high quality or a you know unique and delicious cup profile are more likely to be bidded on by multiple traders and that drives up the price. Okay. So there's this really strong correlation between cup quality and price, which you don't always find outside of Kenya in coffee trade. Quite often coffee is kind of treated as a commodity or just one product. But this kind of selection of coffee according to its quality um, and that being uh, really influencing the price of that coffee, that's, that's quite important in specialty coffee trade. And so the Kenyan coffee auction model has influenced a lot of specialty coffee trade um, and some other auctions like Cup of Excellence or the Best Off auctions um, and is yeah a model that we really look to that has really influenced specialty coffee. Mm. So a question I sort of had was about surrounding the price of Kenyan coffee. It's obvi- it's usually one of the more expensive coffees that we see on the shelves. And is that strongly influenced just by cup quality and the price at auction? Yeah, absolutely. So the market price in Kenya, so the local market price is kind of dictated by the season. So what happened with that year's crop? Was there good weather? Is there a lot of coffee available? Is there not very much coffee available? But then also the quality. So the higher quality coffees make higher prices. Most of what you see in Australia is the highest quality coming out of Kenya. So obviously those coffees are more expensive. The other thing to note about Kenyan coffee is that it's quite rare. There's not a lot of it that's produced every year. And that number is actually dropping every year. One of the really big factors in that is that the land that coffee is grown on in the central highlands is also where Nairobi is sprawling into. So the city is growing and that land is in hot demand for real estate developers. So a lot of coffee farms are being sold for development and that means we're seeing less and less of those coffees out of Kenya. That's pretty crazy. I mean, a lot of people, I guess, imagine coffee farms being very far away and isolated, but it's quite... Yeah, when you're driving around Kenya, particularly when you're just coming out of the city, which is huge and traffic is awful. So it's very slow. And a lot of times the drivers or the agronomists that we're with will say this was all coffee farms, you know, 15 years ago. I think that's why it's so important to see the development of areas like in the West, because that's where coffee production Mm. will move to in Kenya. So really um, harnessing the potential of those regions, because... There might not be that much more coffee grown in the Central Highlands in the next, you know, 50 years. Right. That's a shame. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, we've got to pay more for them. Make sure that they know that there's, you know, a demand. Um, And I guess lastly, is there anything else that you think is kind of unique or interesting about Kenyan coffee that you'd like to add? Um, I think the most exciting thing about Kenyan coffees is the way that they taste. Um, They're really distinct. They're really juicy and delicious. I'm thrilled to be working within this system with Kenya Cough where we have access to smallholder independently owned farmed coffees. I think it's really exciting the level of transparency and traceability that that brings to the table. I'm very you know excited to see how our buying continues and to create longer term more mutually beneficial direct relationships with the farmers. Um, yeah. Okay cool thanks so <laughs> <Yeah>. much. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed learning a little more about Kenyan coffees. Throughout this series, Christian and I have been exploring, exploring through conversation that is, the countries that we purchase coffee from. At Market Lane, our goal is to build long-standing, equitable, 
transparent and sustainable supply relationships with dedicated coffee producers who share our values and our obsession with quality. Together with our sister company, Melbourne Coffee Merchants, our coffee buying team play an integral part in establishing and maintaining these relationships with coffee producers all across the world. We have two more podcasts lined up in this series, but if you haven't already, you can go back and listen to our previous episodes covering Brazil, Ethiopia, Colombia, and Guatemala. Coffee Up by Market Lane Coffee is a podcast for our growing community of like-minded businesses who want to serve delicious, sustainable, and ethically sourced coffees. You can find Coffee Up wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and we look forward to catching up with you over a coffee soon.